guys. What up? Happy Halloween. I'm back with a very scary episode of My Best Vintage Life. So it's Halloween. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out, it will be live Thursday, the 31st of October. If not, happy belated Halloween. Happaline. I guess that's happy and Halloween combined. Happaline. Anyways, I hope you are well. I'm just doing my normal little spiel at the beginning here. If you haven't checked out uh, my website, my merchandise website, please be sure to do so. Uh, It's important to me to have merchandise to sell for the podcast, even though it's not like directly branded merchandise, um, because I feel like it gives you a chance to to connect with me and to, uh, you know, shop the vibe of the podcast. It's very much a vintage California vibe. So check it out if you haven't. It's my best vintage life podcast.com. And I just wanted to say thank you to I had a Canadian listener and um, a listener from the United Kingdom write really nice reviews on the podcast. I didn't know this. But if you're listening in the United States, or like for me, for example, I can't see listeners um, like international comments. So I was able to finally find them though. So thank you for doing that. I really, really appreciate it. Um, And if anybody else is looking to be supportive and uh, wants to say a few nice words about the podcast, I'd really appreciate that as well. And if you don't have the time, uh, ratings are always appreciated as well. Um, And don't forget to check out Instagram and Facebook. Super easy to find my Best Vintage Life podcast. And, uh, oh, I wanted to congratulate my friend Allison Casabon on her recent winning of my Hello Treat Bag contest that I had. Um, which is another reason why you should check out social media because I'll be doing fun giveaways and fun interactive activities like that. Sorry, my dog is just, she just walked in the room. Now she's leaving. I'm clearly not entertaining her enough. Bye, Chalupa. Um, (laughs) Yes, I do bring my dog to work, sometimes both. My obsession at the moment this week. So I found this really great brand called Sierra Bees as in the Sierra Nevada. Um, They have this amazing lip balm and other skincare products on this website called iHerb. And iHerb is just really great if you're into like um, natural care products, whether it be supplements, um, skincare, stuff like that, home goods, pet goods, they have everything. And I think if you spend $20, they do kind of like an Amazon type shipping. So if you need something quickly, you can get it that pretty quickly and it's pretty easy to spend that much money there um so I'm really into this Sierra Bees lip balm right now they have like a multi-pack it's like eight tubes of lip balm for four dollars and it's certified organic and there's a lot of really great unique uh flavors that I've never seen before in a lip balm and I just bought like another four pack of I think newer uh newer flavors. I have their cuticle cream and I also have a face cream that has royal jelly in it and I'm going to give you a little um anti-aging secret. Royal jelly is so good for your skin and so good to stop the effects of aging uh, and I believe it's called Madre Magic. Madre, madre, like in Spanish, magic. Um, So yeah, check those, check those products out. They're really cheap. They'd be, um, the lip balms would be great stocking stuffers. Um, 
you know, if, if you do that sort of thing during the holidays or a Hanukkah gift, whatever you celebrate. Um, so yeah, check out Sierra Bees. And uh, I don't think I've mentioned in a while, but, um, you know, I am a Foley Natural Beauty Ambassador. So if you're looking for some really great um, holiday presents coming up or maybe your skin's dry and you want to moisturize, check out Folane for some really great clean beauty products. My coupon code for 15% off is REF, R-E-F, as in Frank, underscore, basic, bougie, B-O-U-G-I-E, and then Bridget, my first name. So REF underscore, basic, bougie, Bridget for 15% off your first order. Okay. So I think this is going to be a little bit longer than most episodes. Um, I um, am talking today about horror movies with a vintage vibe. So last episode, I talked about um, women that I felt were underappreciated in the horror world and definitely focused more on their wardrobe. This is just an overall vintage vibe. So I'm not going to talk too much here about clothing. Um, Just kind of, you know, I mean, I feel like if you like vintage, you have a appreciation for other vintage things and the way movies look and sound so this is uh these are the best of the best I don't think any of these will be shocking to you and it was hard for me to to pick I think I picked 10 um but I also had asked on Instagram people's opinions like what their favorite vintage horror film was so I did get some really great answers from a few of you so I will be reading those at the end and that might be why this is just a little bit of a longer episode than normal but I do appreciate everyone's feedback and um, you know a lot of times when I'm asking questions on social media I'm not doing it there's like a purpose behind it um, and you might not find out until later so for anybody who gave me their answer you'll hear it at the end of this episode so um jumping right in my first film with a vintage horror vibe is the shining stanley kubrick's the shining which was filmed in 1980 um i know i just said i wasn't going to focus on wardrobe but i think that um especially shelley duvall's wardrobe in the movie is is really great um and i think jack nicholson's outfits for his character while they were pretty basic outfits i think they're pretty iconic and um, something I wanted to clear up about this film because it drives me crazy is what inspired what hotel inspired what exterior hotel was used and what inspired the interior so Stephen King was inspired to write the book when he was staying at the Stanley which is in Colorado the exterior shots was not the Stanley that was the Timberline Lodge in Oregon State And then the interior shots, while they were filmed in uh, the United Kingdom, they were inspired by what is now the Awani Hotel in Yosemite National Park, which is very close to where I live. It was formerly the Majestic Yosemite. So um, in June of 2018, one of my friends from the East Coast came out to visit me, and we went there to see the inside. And I still have the pictures. I'll gladly post those on the show um, Instagram But it's just so unreal being in there, like the main kind of like concourse with the chandeliers and the elevators as well are still there. Um, Just, you know, how iconic it is and was to be in there. So just always want to clarify that with people because I'll hear people say like, oh, 
was filmed at this hotel or this is what inspired it and people are almost always um wrong but for the most part the interior shots you know they were filmed in england on a sound stage uh, they weren't filmed in the united states so yes i love the shining i love i love the feel of it i love the the um the music is just so powerful especially in the beginning so i think i got cut off there I'll have to check when I'm done recording. <laughs> Anyways, um, onwards to Rosemary's Baby. Okay, I love Rosemary's Baby, but I have to, I won't lie, like this, it's it's so freaking creepy to me. Um, just the idea of it and the, the basis of the movie. I won't give too much away in case you haven't seen it. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is a Roman Polanski film, and it was uh, filmed in 1968. Um the the wardrobe is just like a plus i mean mia farrow looks like she's like mary quant perfection of of that era i just i love everything she wears in in the film and the interiors as well she's very into um decorating like someone you know aka me um and making her place feel brighter and warmer um, but you know, despite her efforts, it doesn't really work out that well. You can paint white on walls all you can, but if there's some uh, darkness lurking there, it's not going to go away. And I love, um, I love the Castavets, the neighbors next door, especially Mrs. Castavet. She has very kind of like I don't know, kooky. She she always has headscarves in like Chiquita Banana Lady vibes going on and like lots of rouge on her cheeks and just very um very overdone compared to Mia Farrow's character. So I like the juxtaposition there of the two of them um physically in terms of their wardrobe and their makeup and hair and stuff like that. And also seeing New York in that era in the in the 60s is is super special. I love you know, seeing cityscapes of that time and um, just seeing it in a different a different era because New York has changed so much in, you know, the last 100 years, even the last 50 years. So just to see it in another time that I obviously would not have been able to see because I wasn't born, um, it feels super special to me. So I really, really appreciate that about Rosemary's Baby. Okay, next. This is like a fan favorite over here. 1963, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Um, last week I talked about seeing Vintage San Francisco uh, through the uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But this is even a little bit older. And I really, I love just watching Tippi Hedren kind of like flit around San Francisco in her little business suits. Um I don't know, you wouldn't even call them, they're more like little two-piece leisure suits, but it's just, it's so cool to see, and then also you have the scenery of Bodega Bay, which is a really beautiful village. I was lucky enough to go visit Bodega Bay last winter, um, so I got to see where the birds was filmed, and I got to see the bird schoolhouse, which is a little bit further east from the coast, um, and, and, you know, let's just be honest, Tippi Hedren is like everything in that movie. She's witty and pretty and <laughs> fucking taking a bow owl in like the bay, like a little like 
you know, just this little bow. And she's so brave with her, her birdcage. I don't know. I love her. And the way she's just like careening around those um, hairpin turns on the Pacific Coast Highway, which I also think I drove up that road as well, because as I was driving, I'm like, this has to be where she was driving. And obviously, it was probably a stunt double, but still amazing, nonetheless. But yeah, no, Bodega Bay is really sweet little um, coastal town and definitely a large, um, the, the film has been just probably such a large boost for their tourism. So like the restaurant, uh, you know, where she like bitch slaps that lady in the restaurant <laughs> um, is still there, but they've like added on to it. And that definitely feels like a little too touristy for me, but it was still like cool to look in and see like the actual restaurant part the original part but now they have like a gift shop and I think like a bakery and stuff like that so good for them for like you know probably making a lifelong fortune out of the film um and actually Bodega Bay right now is um I believe they were under evacuation warnings for the Kincaid fire that's burning in Sonoma but I think last I read their um their evacuation was lifted so if people left they're able to go back um and obviously just sending lots of love and good energy to everyone fighting and experiencing the fires right now that are burning in northern and southern california it's really hard to see and it's hard for me to talk about and not get emotional um but i'm just um what makes me happy is to see all the good that comes out of it so looks like bodega bay is going to be fine and the birds will live on there's no fire danger there um, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on the birds. Next is also a Alfred Hitchcock film. We have Psycho made in 1960. So kind of a very desert vibe to Psycho, uh, the movie set in Phoenix, which honestly, I think I forgot. I don't know why I thought it was set in LA, but it is set in Phoenix and, um, you know, Janet Lee just gives off total like I don't know, 1960s secretary vibes, which, you know, back then everything was uh, like mostly like women were in those like administrative roles, which obviously that's not really the case today. But um, back then that just kind of was what it was. And, you know, I really what I like about her is she's um, kind of got this like very mysterious vibe going on without giving too much away about the movie if you haven't seen it. But She's she's done some things that aren't so good and she's trying to escape and ends up landing herself in a trap basically at a very remote hotel uh, with a man named Norman Bates. <laughs> and we can't forget about good old Anthony Perkins. Um, I actually learned something about him the other night from my friend Evan. I had no idea that, that Anthony Perkins... Um, was gay I didn't know that he was gay but he did end up marrying a woman um and having children I believe he said and then his wife ended up dying on 9-11 she was on one of the planes that was uh, sadly flown into the twin towers so I did not know all that about him um Evan said that his life was incredibly interesting and unique so Maybe worth looking into if you're an Anthony Perkins fan or you want to learn more about him. But um, definitely two really, really amazing characters there. And um, if you didn't know, Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. 
some people might not know that, but you know, from one scream queen to the next. And wouldn't you know, my next selection is Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, 1978. Um, I love Jamie Lee Curtis's wardrobe in the movie because I think, I think that the, the wardrobe person did a pretty good job at conveying that she was like the quiet not really nerdy, but she was like the quiet intellectual girl that's just kind of yearning to be more like her friends. Her two friends are kind of, I don't know, it was always kind of shocking to me watching that movie that she was friends with those two girls because they were kind of, you know, the wild girls compared to her, but maybe they were lifelong friends or something. I think that might have been like the background there. Um, but I think, you know, their outfits really portray who they are compared to who Jamie Lee Curtis is. So kudos to the wardrobe person for doing a, a good job there at making them so drastically different. Um, and obviously Michael Myers, I mean, you can't see coveralls without thinking of Michael Myers. And I think it's cool when a piece of clothing becomes associated with a character like him and then you know I think it's because you don't really have a face to associate you have a mask you have a knife and you have coveralls so I think anytime somebody is wearing navy coveralls you're just kind of like okay you look like Michael Myers especially if they're like this big ominous towering man so I love the fact that his character over time uh, became connected to an article of clothing Okay, so my my next film is Children of the Corn, 1984. Okay, I love Children of the Corn. It's one of my favorite horror movies, and I feel like it's one that not so, so many people have seen um, in comparison to some of the other ones out there. But I love the, the aesthetic vibe of Children of the Corn because it's very cult-like, slightly Amish and I can say that because I grew up in Pennsylvania we have a very large Amish and Mennonite population there but uh, there's definitely that vibe going on and right now you know there's two fashion lines that stick out to me that are kind of doing like that weird I don't want to say culty but definitely um, like prairie like farm vibe and it would be Batsheva and the vampire's wife two different brands there um, but I could totally see the designers for those lines being inspired by Children of the Corn just because it gives off those kind of creepy vibes. And um, obviously Linda Hamilton in that movie is adorable. She's like, that's, I want to say that was maybe one of her first films. I'm not sure, but she's just so much softer in Children of the Corn than she is in like Terminator where she is um, obviously a tough babe in here. And not that she's not tough in Children of the Corn, but it's just nice to see her in like a lighter role. And obviously Isaac and Malachi, hello, love them. Um, Isaac's my personal favorite. I hate Malachi. He's such a jerk, more than a jerk, but let's just say he's a jerk. And, you know, I just love some good Midwestern vibes. Um, I actually drove through Nebraska and I think Nebraska is one of the most underrated states in the United States. There's a lot of lakes there and just like beautiful little finger lakes every so often. And I don't know. I don't know what I expected it to look like. Probably more like Children of the Corn. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's where the movie is um, is based. And I don't know. Props to Nebraska if I have anybody listening there. I really love it there. Okay. Next, 
we're sticking with like it. Oh my god, I almost did this like completely chronologically. I didn't even realize it. Um, next is The Lost Boys. Now, I wouldn't say this is like a super scary movie. Obviously, there's some like cheesy comedic elements to it. Uh, Lost Boys was filmed in 1987, but it is pure 80s magic. I mean, you definitely, compared to the last few films I was speaking of, you definitely see more of the 80s vibe, lots of leather and sparkle and, you know, Santa Cruz kind of gritty boardwalk vibes. So um, I, I love The Lost Boys. I love... Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Corey Haim, just a really, really, really great cast. Um, oh, and Diane Weist, hello. I mean, she's probably one of my favorite actresses of all time, and I think she's also super underrated. I think she's very talented and has played some really um, unique roles, so I love watching that film just for her, and I love that big house that they move into. Um, super, super pretty like old Cali beach house vibes and uh, vi- vampires in leather. I mean, I'm definitely not crazy like into vampires. Like I, I don't do the Twilight series. I'm not into that um, or whatever that one show was on TV, but I'm into these vampires just because I think they're, I don't know, they're 80s vampires. So obviously they're better. <laughs> Uh, next one, also a John Carpenter film, The Fog, filmed in 1980. Uh, Coastal California, once again, I do believe it's a, f- a fictional town, but it definitely has like Bodega Bay vibes. And, you know, we see um, Jamie Lee Curtis once again, and her, she's very much like uh, kind of like a tomboy in this movie, but she still has sex appeal. Same with uh, Adrienne Barbeau. She's the, like, radio DJ that's, I believe, up in the lighthouse in the movie. And she's, when she talks, she talks like this. (laughs) It's like a sex line operator voice. Uh, But she has really great style, too. And I I like horror movies that have, you know, these strong female characters in them. I think it's really awesome. And that's also another one that I feel like not everybody has seen. So if you haven't seen The Fog, don't watch the modern one. I did not like that as much as the uh the one from 1980 um so if you're looking for a good horror movie that you haven't seen i would definitely recommend the fog from 1980 next one also not super scary but beetlejuice 1988 um you know i feel like winona Ryder ever since she got into stranger things and even before then people are obsessed with her i do like her i do um i'm not like so so into her like some people are uh but i think she's you know she's great and she was obviously amazing in that film as are her parents and i think you know everyone loves the dinner scene um when everybody kind of becomes possessed and starts singing and dancing i just love the wardrobe in that scene just the crazy like 80s party dresses um lots of shimmer lots of like black satin and velvet and just like heavy fabrics and I really also love the interior of the home and like the thing that's so funny to me is they move I believe it's supposed to be like Connecticut or something in like New England and they still have this very like 80s New York um, aesthetic and it just sticks out like a sore thumb because everybody else is in like these you know 
farmhouses that haven't been updated in years and yet they're adding like these crazy sculptures and just doing remodeling and stuff like that it's just um it's a lot different than like what that area looks like in reality and if you've been to new england you can think about what i'm saying and picturing like somebody doing something like that um so i always kind of appreciated that aesthetically about the film and obviously it's hilarious and michael keaton um he's awesome and i don't think they could have picked anyone else to be beetlejuice or i can't imagine anybody else as beetlejuice in my mind and um last but certainly not least 1991 silence of the lambs now i wouldn't consider silence of the lambs like a hardcore horror movie it's more suspenseful psychological thriller um however I definitely think there is a really amazing vintage feel to Silence of the Lambs. I love Jodie Foster's style in the movie. And, um, you know, some fun fact that Clarice, Clarice Starling, the character, um, inspired, uh, I believe it was, I think, I guess it would have been Chris Carter from the X-Files um, to create Dana Scully. Like he based Dana Scully around uh, Clarice Starling. And I remember reading an article where he said, like, it's not arbitrary that Scully has red hair. Um, So I thought that was really cool. You know, that, like, business suit. uh, What does he say? Your your cheap shoes and your good bag? Or is it your cheap bag and your good shoes? I can't remember what um, Hannibal Lecter says to her. But, you know, just that kind of, like, um, just out of the FBI Academy trying to scrape together professional outfits look. And obviously, I mean, Buffalo Bill, hello, kimonos. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine. I think his name's Ted Levine, Ted Levine. That has had to have lived with him his whole life. He's he's never going to get away from that character as long as he's alive. But um, I think everybody will remember the kimono moment when he raises his hands in the basement. And I'll just leave it at that. We'll keep this uh, keep this PG today not PG. I don't know. That's like R maybe. (laughs) I guess it is a rated R movie. But um, yeah, no, I love Silence of the Lambs. Definitely um, some really cool, just like eight, like late 80s transitioning into to early 90s vibes there. And I think that was such a kind of like a weird, unique time and just in America in general. So it's it's cool to see that preserved forever um, in a film. So those were my 10 choices um, for overall great vintage uh, horror movie vibes. So I had asked on Instagram um, what your favorites were, and I did get some responses. I'm just going to pull them up really quick on my computer. Okay. So they're pretty, they're not super long. There is one long one. compared to the other ones but I'm so thankful for them thank you for everybody that participated I'll just be saying your first name for privacy reasons so this first one is from my listener Krista Krista has to say oh yes exclamation point out of all of the vintage horror movies I could pick my favorite remains the birds for so many reasons it's so incredibly simple but in my opinion the scariest movies are The way the tension builds, not only throughout the movie, but even in specific scenes. It's a slow burn, and you find yourself holding your breath, even though after watching it a hundred times, you know what happens next. There is something so terrifying about nature turning against humans. I'm also obsessed with the quaint town, the amazing wardrobe, hello, tippies, skirt suits, (laughs) 
<laughs> the main characters are also so lovely and elegant. It's also charming and terrifying. Perfect Hitchcock. It's so funny because I actually haven't read these. Um, I haven't read these responses yet so it's funny that we both said about the skirt suits thank you krista for your response check out krista's uh podcast that she hosts with uh her friend kurt who also gave me a response it's the strange sessions they actually just did an episode on horror movies as well which is really good so if you haven't had a chance yet check that out all right next is from listener casey casey had to say okay i think i'd have to go with the shining I saw the film in high school, but just read the book a few years ago. And she said in parentheses, I know the film has had a lot of criticism, especially from Stephen King. Yes, very true. Uh, but I think I love this, uh, in quotations, vintage film the most because of the set design. That green bathroom, the iconic carpet, the long hallway, the ballroom, the contrast of color in the red bathroom to heighten uneasiness, all of it. I hope that's enough of a reason why um, she said now she wants to go watch spooky movies, which I'm sure she has been at this point in time because this was like a month ago. So thank you for your response, Casey. Um, yeah, I definitely agree that The Shinings, the the interiors are just insane. And um, there's a really great documentary, actually. And um, it's all about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I can't remember what it's called it's the room that the lady's in and i can't remember what number that is but it's been on netflix for a while i'm sure it's still on there if you wanted to check that out so yeah definitely love that she pointed out about all the interior goodness there um thank you casey for your response next we have listener marty Marty said, my favorite vintage horror movie is the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead. Okay, I'm just going to stop and say this is the only one that I haven't seen out of all your responses. So I guess I need to check that out. Um, I've always been, well, I was for a long time a very big Walking Dead fan, and then I stopped watching it. Um, so I think I'd probably like Dawn of the Dead. Uh, he said, I love it because it has a great storyline that follows the characters, plus it adds some scenes and music that make it humorous. Bonus, it's the only horror movie where the black guy survives to the end. <laughs> George Romero is a genius. I, yeah, I've heard a lot of great things um, about George Romero. Uh, I've never seen any of his films. I don't think. I'll have to look at his uh, filmography and see if there's something that I've seen. But yeah, definitely want to check out Dawn of the Dead. Thank you for your response, Marty. Rosemary's Baby, 1968. This is from listener Tiffany, who also happens to work for us here at Baz. Um, so creepy, exclamation point, but the clothing, exclamation point, floral dresses, exclamation point, headscarves, exclamation point. Her bright red chiffon trouser suit, exclamation point. I love it. Even the furniture, floral wallpaper, green sofa, exclamation point. I love Tiffany's response because it's, it seems like the exact same thing I would write. Um, yeah, like I said, she loves, uh, Mia Farrow's character loves decorating in the film. And she does have a green sofa. I have a green sofa. So I really appreciated that. Um, the trend is still going strong. And, you know, like I said, the... Um, the wardrobe was really great and tiffany had brought up that she had been reading about the costume designer um and her uh you know doing the wardrobe so i don't know if it was the same thing tiffany had been reading but i just pulled up this website right before i started recording and the one thing i thought was unique about um 
the wardrobe designer in that film, it says uh, her name was, um, was Andrea, I believe. Anthea, Anthea, Anthea Silbert. Silbert felt the challenge of the piece came from its recent period setting. Although set only a few years before, trends moved so fast during the decade, the 60s, that she must have needed to scour old copies of Vogue just to ensure accuracy. By the late 1960s, when the film was made, fashion was moving towards mainstream hippie. Um, Rosemary, though, is wearing mod-like clothes, sharply cut, unembellished with little jewelry, and of course, very short hemline. So I think that's really interesting because there was such a dramatic change in um, trend during the 60s. So yeah, I totally get that. That probably had to be really difficult for her. Um, because what she was designing, even though it wasn't that long ago, probably still felt like a period piece. Um, and that is from this website that I just found called clothesonfilm.com. I'm not sure, like I said, if that's what Tiffany had been reading, but it looks like a really awesome website that I'm probably gonna go down a rabbit hole on. Um, they do modern, but it looks like they do, um, older movies as well. So definitely uh definitely check that out clothesonfilm.com and let's see uh i have one from reader candace uh she said the birds alfred hitchcock is a genius at how he uses something so simple as birds to cause such chaos and fear this is the first move i remember watching first movie i remember watching and actually being horrified the school scene will always be stuck in my head. Also, Tippy Hedren's wardrobe was is everything. Uh, thank you, Candace. Yes, definitely say that school scene is pretty terrifying, um, and it's really cool to for me to have seen that in person and imagine, um, you know, just them going in and out of the school. It's a pretty cool feeling. Okay, so this one is pretty long. Uh, it's the last one. It's from listener Kurt. Uh, like I said, he and Krista do a podcast called The Strange Sessions. Uh, so here we go. He wrote about Psycho. I remember seeing the movie Psycho for the first time when I was a teenager in the 1980s. Even then, in the midst of the 80s run of slasher movies like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, there was something different and unsettling about Psycho. There are so many things that make the film a masterpiece. First of all, even though it's been seen in many horror films since, especially Wes Craven's Scream, it completely threw the audience off when the well-known actress we expect to be the main character of the movie is killed off in the first half of the film. Nobody had expected this, and it was one of the main reasons why Hitchcock instituted his now-famous policy of nobody being admitted after the start of the film. Hitchcock was worried that people would be angry if they came in late and the movie star Janet Lee wasn't seen since she had already been killed off. Totally get that, by the way. Secondly, the infamous death scenes. Of course, the shower scene is literally one of the best-known movie scenes of all time, and rightly so. Everything about the scene is brilliantly done through editing, audio effects, and music. At no point do we, actu do we actually see a knife in Janet Lee's body, but the scene is still considered as being one of the most frightening and violent deaths in movie history and was responsible for tons of people being afraid of taking showers for weeks after the movie. Oh my gosh, and everybody was probably pretty smelly, huh? For some reason, Detective Arbogast's death was far more frightening to me when I was younger. There's something extremely unsettling to me about the surreal way the scene is shot with him falling backwards down the steps with a streak of blood on his face, even though, like the shower scene, the violence is more implied than actually shown. I'm going to take a sip of water here. Okay. 
And lastly, to me, there's something unmistakably classy about the film. And I honestly feel that it's due to the fact that the film is black and white. At this point, Hitchcock could have easily filmed in color as many movies at the time were doing so. He decided on using black and white instead because he felt that the sight of blood and vivid technicolor might be too much for moviegoers who are already dealing with a disturbingly frightening movie. I honestly feel that if the film had been in color, it would have lost something. Being black and white, the audience is... Um, Sorry, I lost my place. The audience at the time might not have been prepared for the intensity of the film. I feel like Psycho is the turning point from the more innocent black and white horror of Dracula and the Wolfman to the more gory and sexually charged horror films that came after. Psycho flirts with the sexuality, often showing Janet Lee in a bra, uh, in parentheses he said, which symbolically turns from white at the beginning of the film to black after she decides to steal the money. And there is nothing, something about the film being black and white that adds to its brilliance. Even though it's more of a slow burn horror film that audiences are used to these days, there's a very good reason why Janet Lee, the shower scene, and Norman Bates are still part of our culture today. Wow, Kurt. That's an epic. What beautiful. He's, I believe he was um, an English major in college, so I didn't expect any less. No, I'm just kidding, Kurt. That was so nice. Thank you. And I really love what you said about her bra. And I think I mentioned this last week, you know, I had a really uh, great film class in college and my professor always said, you know, nothing is arbitrary. And I definitely think like her bra turning from white to black says a lot there after she uh, gets up to no good. So those are my uh, listener responses. Thank you so much to Candice, Kurt, Tiffany, Marty, Casey, and Krista. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed listening and reading reading those reading them for the first time just now actually so super excited there um and you know what that's about all the time I have that was a pretty long episode um so if you have any uh additions that you'd like me to share let me know in terms of horror vintage horror films um I really enjoy this I love talking about film and I think tying in the fashion of the time is, is super fun as well so if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to send them my way. Um, otherwise, until next time, my friends, stay safe and don't be basic. Bye.